0: Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Hi, family. My name is Alice, and I'm a grateful, grateful, grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Man, it's good to be here. My sobriety date is May 21st, 1987. And, um, you know, I have to say I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised to be 35 years sober. I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was 26 years old. I did not come to stay. I don't even think I came to stop drinking. I came because the pain was it crushing. And I just was looking for some relief. And um, the truth is, if I could have found a way to get joyous and happy and free and still drink, You'd have a different speaker today. That's the truth, but that's not that's not the truth. The truth is that I had to give it up. I had to give up that one thing to get everything. Um, I want to thank Mel for um, for starting this meeting and for inviting me back. It's one thing to be invited. Oh, it's another thing to be invited back. So um, I'm really I'm really grateful. And thank you, Tamara, for your your tireless service. Like man, what. What a shining light in Alcoholics Anonymous. I love that you guys acknowledged um, um, uh, Natasha for her service. Like, I just love that. Like, how important it is for us to acknowledge the people in the group that make things happen. Andy, thanks for being a great host. Um, Liz, thank you for being our sobriety countdown person. Um, And thank you, Rachel, for, for reading, right? Like, it takes a village. It really, really does. And so I'm here. To talk about a part of the book that I really love. And um, there are a couple things I want to say before I get started. Um, I want to say that one of the most important things in my recovery today is that I'm willing to surrender being right in order to be free. So I'm going to read the passage that um, I selected the topic based on, and then I'm going to jump around reading in the book. And um, hopefully it'll all make sense. Let me say that I'm sober, not necessarily sane. And so I want to make that important distinction for everybody. So hopefully you'll be able to get something out of what I have to say. Oh, Agnes, I love you. And it's so wonderful and happy birthday. Congratulations on two years. Congratulations to everybody. Cece's three months, Robert's 10 days, Robert, man. Loves, 164 days. Somebody has 178. I didn't get your name, but man, I'm glad you're here. Um, Deidre's seven months. Barats, 350 days. And and of course, Agnes, if I missed anybody, I love you. Um, So when I come to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, just me, I always have my big book. I always have a pad. I always have a pen. Because meetings for me of Alcoholics Anonymous are opportunities for me to spiritually grow. And the text, the basic text, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which we call the big book, is the source of information about how to have a design for living that frees me from needing to be right and leads me to being free. And so for the people that are new, let me just get in five things that I I will offer to you before I start reading. And then I'm going to jump around reading. Follow me. I believe the, these five things will change your life. One, get a sobriety date. I have a sobriety date, May 21st, 1987. I would fight in the street for it. It's the thing that makes all other things possible. It's the most important thing that I own or can ever own. It is the foundation of my recovery. And my recovery is the foundation of my life. Get a date. Be committed to the date. When somebody asks you what your date is, don't be hemming and hawing, uh, uh, no, May 21st, 1987, that's my date. It really is the most important thing that I will ever possess. It's the thing that makes everything else possible. Now, I can have a date and not do the work and be miserable, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having a date and doing the work. Second tool I'm going to give new people or anybody that's not living in joy and freedom. Get yourself a guide. We call those people in Alcoholics Anonymous sponsors. And what you're looking for when you're looking for a guide is someone that knows the world of Alcoholics Anonymous as outlined in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous backwards and forwards. They know the time to go. They know when to go. They know when to take a tour bus. They know the good places to eat. They know everything about the book. Get yourself a a guide that knows the book. I often tell the story. I went to Cambodia. Ah, man, Cambodia called my name. I'm a traveler. My life is remarkable. I'm talk more about that later. But I went to Cambodia and I got a guy. And the guy was like, no, I'm not going to pick you up in the morning. I'm going to come a little bit before noon. We're going to go at noon because all the tour buses leave. We'll have the temples to ourselves. Angkor Wat. Man, nobody was there. It was extraordinary. He showed me a field that was the size of a baseball, uh, a football field. And he was like, that's where the concubines bathed. I was like, well, where did the queen bath? I mean, it just was mind-blowing. I would never have had that experience without a guide. Get a guide. In Alcoholics Anonymous, you need a guide. We call them sponsors. Third thing, get yourself a home group. A group of people that you're committed to, that are committed to you. You're accountable to them. They're accountable to you. If I show up in my home group and my camera's never on, I show up late, I leave early, the people in the group have spiritual permission to call me and ask me if I'm okay. Fourth thing, get yourself a group of friends, road dogs, a posse, whatever you call them, a crew, whatever you call them. People who have more time, less time, the same time that are on the journey with you, that are on the spiritual path with you. I'm going to talk more about that. That you can call because you're going to need to call them and check your reality. I'm talk more about checking your reality. And the final thing is I've read the book Alcoholics Anonymous many, many, many times. And in the pandemic, which has revolutionized my recovery. I realized that the book, all of the chapters, chapters lead me to being useful. All of them. They lead me to God, but they really lead me to being useful. Why? Because I don't really think that God needs me to make the sun come up. I don't really think God needs me to make the rock we're on spin around. The seasons check. God don't need me. Let me tell you about the dirty trick. I believe that I'm surrendering to a power that I don't have any power over, that has all the power over me and I'm under the delusion that I am surrendering, that I have some power. It says, no, mm-mm. That, I'm going to talk more about that later too. The power doesn't need me, but the power I believe sure appreciates when I'm useful to the other people who might need me. When I let people in in traffic, when I let them ahead of me in the line in the supermarket, when I've got a basket and they've got a little bundle, that I'm kind to people. That is, that is spiritual growth for me, man. My natural disposition from breeding or genetics is I'm a warrior. So that this practice of kindness, this new practice that I have of tenderness is my spiritual growth. So those are the five tools. You got it? A sobriety day, a sponsor, a home group, a group of friends, and a play, way to be useful in life. So top of page 100, top of page 100, first full paragraph, top of page 100, first full paragraph. Both, and and let me say this, we're in the chapter working with others. We're in the chapter, in the 12th step. It is not the entire 12th step. It is the part of the 12th step where I am being of service to other people, working with others. Both you and the new man, who is the new man? Anybody new? a new sponsor, a new sponsee, a new friend on the road, call me. Hey, my number's right here. Call me. You could be a new man on the road with me. I could be a new man on the road with you. Must. Okay, here we go. You'll come into Alcoholics Anonymous. This is for the new people. And they'll be like, oh, it's all suggested. Mm, Let me clear that up for you. If you want what we got, you do what we do. If you don't want it, don't do it. We're suggesting a way of life. But if you want the way of life, then you must do certain things. This paragraph says must and dictates. Just so that you're clear, if you want what I'm gonna talk about, which is to live in a new and wonderful world, this is not a menu where you can like, oh, I'll have an appetizer, oh, I'm gonna skip the entree. I'm gonna have that's not what this is. This is a design for living. Both you and the new man must walk day by day. What is day by day? Is day by day when I feel like it on Tuesdays? Leap year on Wednesday? What is this? Every day. Day by day means every day. You and the new man must walk day by day. What? On a country road? No. No. In. In. Inside. Not on. In. the path of spiritual progress. Now, this path of spiritual progress means every day I'm just trying to do just a little bit better. Just a little bit. That I didn't open my mouth and say the thing I thought. That I answered when I didn't want to. That when I talk to you, I I control the tone. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. When? Every day. Every day with someone, because this is not an I program. This is a program that we do together. Alcoholics Anonymous, in my experience, is not a self-help program. I wanna promise you this, if I could help myself, I would not be here with you, but I can't, I cannot. I need you, I need you. Second sentence, if, ah, let me stop right there my favorite word in the book alcoholics anonymous is if i love if you know we read the ninth step promises and we often call them the promises there are at least 250 promises in the book but the ninth step promises begin with if if we are painstaking if i mean if not then you won't get the promises and then it ends with if right and, and what is the power and if for me personally? The power for me is that I have a choice. How free do I want to be? How free do I want to be? You can come to Alcoholics Anonymous. I know this from personal experience. And not do the work, but rank up time. For the new people, you don't know what I'm talking about. For the old people, you know the the cranky old timers in the back of the room by the coffee pot? You know them? They're sitting in the back of the room talking bad about everybody. I don't want what they got. That while time isn't the only thing that matters, time matters. Only people without time say time doesn't matter. Check it out. All the people who put their hand up and say time don't matter are the people without time. (laughs) Ha! I got 35 years, you write that matters. But it's not the only thing that matters. If you don't do the work, then you just have a lot of time. The bonus round in Alcoholics Anonymous is you rank up the time and you do the work. That's the fourth dimensional path. But okay, if you persist, I'm gonna stop at persist. What is persist? I persisted in drinking. I'm born and raised in New York. I took my first drink at four years old at 208 West 96th Street across from what I now know is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. You know, um, I used to say at the beginning of the pandemic, actually, I used to say my mother abandoned me, right? Oh, how sad that is. No, she did the best she could. It wasn't no good, but it was the best she could do. And I'm grateful for that. She didn't abandon me. She couldn't take care of me. She left me with some people that could. Those are breaks, right? It just what those are the breaks. I'm Delta hand, my job is to play it. At eight years old, I decided drinking scotch was a good idea, J&B, Dewar's White Label. You might think that's a fluke, by, by 11, I'm a regular drinker. And by 13, I'm in the bars. I had my first major drunk and, and, and I'm not a blackout drinker. I mean, I blacked out, but that's not my regular get down. I had my first blackout at this bar called the Tiger Lounge on 115th Street and 7th Avenue, 13. Off to the races, man. I got here at 26, man. I put my time in. I started drinking at four. <gasps> I'd gotten it in by the time I got here at 26. Whooped, beat. And here's what I know. I persisted at drinking. If it was a snowstorm, I went out. If it was people I didn't like, but they had what I wanted, I went there. If somebody had to touch me, I did that. Would I, would I, would I, I persisted. There was no... Barrier that was too much for me to maneuver to get what I wanted. I was persistent as a drinker. The question is Am I persistent as a recovered person? Because it just told me I have to walk day by day on the path of spiritual progress. That's the question. Am I persistent there? If you persist, remarkable things will happen. Remarkable. I know I'm being recorded. I'm going to get put out of Alcoholics Anonymous on this one. If I am Italian and I want to talk about my families like the Sopranos, or if I'm Irish and I want to talk about all the Irish people do is straight, nobody cares. But I'm going to say something. Some people, some people going to log off. Oh, okay, bye. I'm a free Black woman in America. And that, my friends, is a revolution. That, my friends, is a revolution. Call me. I'll tell you about that. And I was able to retire at 57 what that's revolutionary for anybody before a, a, what a person born in the dark body What? yeah i retired and and i've had this life i'm on my third passport i've been to com- countries i t- told you to call my name i've been to cambodia i've been all throughout southeast asia i've been to italy several times i've been to france i've been to it it's just amazing and i not, it's not for everybody I love going places and experiencing life from a completely different point of view. A different culture, different views, different, you know? I, I the first time I went to Italy, I, I tried to buy food to go, which is common in America. We we food to, and the waiter was like takeaway, like they couldn't believe I wanted to take food away. They're like takeaway, right? Inconceivable to them. You go places and you live differently, and the joy is the freedom from myself that I think I know how things ought be. No, I don't know. How are the people doing it in Cambodia? How are the people doing it in Costa Rica? What, what? How's it there, right? And a remarkable life for me is different than a remarkable life for you. But the book promises me, and you, if you persist, remarkable things will happen. Whatever's remarkable for you. Remarkable for me is I'm retired. I travel the world. I live in a beautiful place. I can go anywhere in the world. I can look anybody in the face. I'm not ashamed. I don't have guilt. You can like me or not like me. Not only do I not really care about what I think you think of me. who that's freedom, friends. I don't really care what I think you think about me. I don't even care what you tell me you think about me. There are people who call me and tell me what they think about me. Thank you. God bless everybody. Unless I've given you spiritual permission, unsolicited advice is criticism. How about that part? How really? How about that part? There are people, many people who have spiritual permission to call me and tell me, you're slipping shown, you're acting crazy. That was unfair. But yeah, okay, thank you. But the other people, thank you, no, thank you. If I don't want what you got, I mean, yeah. Y'all should delete this recording. When we look back, next sentence, when we look back. Why do I need to look back? Well, I need to look back because life is lived forward, but life is understood backward. I don't really understand fully what's happening right now. But if I have unsparing self-examination, if I'm always looking, If I have people around me that are helping me look, when I look back, what will I see? I'll realize that the things that came to me, oh, this is so important. You see, when I do the work that I believe I need to do, and I'm going to get to that, to clear away the things that block me from the sunlight of the spirit, when I free myself Through surrender. Let me say that differently. When I surrender and God frees me from the bondage of self, when that happens, things that are mine in the universe come to me. What's for me wants me like I want it. When we look back, page 98. In the 12 and 12, says the self-examination, prayer, and meditation are all wonderful things. But when they're thoughtfully, logically, intentionally combined, they create an unshakable foundation for life. What's an unshakable foundation? Someone you love dies. You get a health diagnosis. You lose your job. There's a financial upset. You find out your partner's cheated. The book calls them certain trials and low spots. Certain. They're going to happen for sure. Is the foundation that I'm on solid? When I got to Alcoholics Anonymous at 26, I don't even know that I had a foundation, let alone a solid foundation. Anything that happened, I was a wreck. I thought, oh, God loved the newcomers. Everything was a crisis. Everything was a crisis. I, my whole world was on fire all the time. And I didn't have a solid foundation. I couldn't take life as it came. I couldn't see the blessings and disappointments. But when you've been around a while, what you realize is some of the things that you really, really wanted that you didn't get, that was a blessing. And some of the things you had that you lost, losing it, opened the door for a greater blessing. But in order to be available to receive that blessing, you've got to be solid. You've got to have a solid foundation. Right? When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything that we could have planned. Now, here's where I'm guilty. I have an Excel spreadsheet. I got a clipboard. I got a to-do list. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm that girl. Woo! If you'd like something planned, please call me. You'd like your house organized or decorated. I'm your girl. Yeah, right? Because I still do that, right? I still, because, you know, it's progress, right? Day by day. But what I now understand is that I'm doing those things to entertain myself. I'm not really making any of it happen. I'm responsible for footwork. I'm responsible for showing up. I'm responsible for keeping my, I'm responsible for being a good member of my community, my society, my family, a neighbor. my. I'm responsible for a bunch of things, but I'm not really controlling any of the outcomes. But man, that expelled self-spress, she sure makes me feel good. Like I, like I could be, like, okay, this is what inflation is going to be, right? No, I don't know. But what I do know is that when I surrender to the power, when I put myself in God's hand, whatever God you believe in, whatever God you believe in, the things that come to me are better than anything I could have planned. Things just come to me. That's my truth. That's my truth. Things just come to me. Here's the sentence that does it for me. Follow the dictates of a higher power. And you will presently, presently, note that word, you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, then there's not a period. There's a comma. No matter what your present circumstance. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said presently I lived in a new and wonderful world. What do you mean no matter what my present circumstance? See, here we go, folks. By now, in step 12, I'm living in a spiritual realm. And so I have two things that are happening. I'm living in the spiritual realm and I'm living in the material realm. I need to eat. I need to get enough sleep. Yeah. When's the last time? Do you have a primary care doctor? Ask yourself that. When's the last time you saw them? Are you taking any medications as prescribed? Are you exercising? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you drinking? Are you taking care of the gift of life? Right? That's the question. So that's stuff I do in the material world. But no matter what's happening in that material world, right? No matter what your present circumstance, right? Job, no job. Health condition, no health condition. Relationship, no relationship. A card at work or don't. It's a, whatever my present circumstance in the material world, I can still be happy. I can still live in this new world, this spiritual world. This spiritual, that's the new world. This spiritual world. It's what? New and wonderful. Okay. So I want to I go back now and, and talk about some other things that, and then move back to this. When in the Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you read this. I read this last sentence. Follow the dictates. A dictate is not a suggestion. Follow the dictates. Be surrendered. Be obedient. To what? The power that you've conceived of. We did that too. The power that you've conceived of. That you've surrendered to. That you've offered yourself to in step three. That you've said in the offer, take me and do two things. Bill with me. Because when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't know about you, I was a scrappy. Build something with me and do something with me. Two things we offer in three. I offer myself for you to build with me and do with me. Build with me and do with me. And then I ask to be relieved of the thing that has me in prison. I think I'm right. I have all the facts. If only you knew what you did to me. Here's the thing. I, like many of us, have been sexually molested. That's true for many of us, male and female. I was molested, however, by a parade of people, like not a person, like as a greater. And I could say, this is the person who started molesting me pre-verbally, and that was wrong. And here's how it impacted me, here's what it did to my brain development, Here's what it did to my sexual relations. Here's what it did to my trust. I, I, man, I could go through the list. And you know what? I would be right. But I wouldn't be free. See, sometimes I create the bondage of self with good information and the the, the God of reason. The God of reason. I'm going to construct a whole story and and, and I'm going to beat you down about why I'm right. And you know what? I might actually be right. But do you want to be right or do you want to be free? And here's the thing. I don't have to give up being right to be free. I have to just get off the cross that I built. I'll get up on a cross. I will construct it and get up on it. I might construct it with you and get right up on it and preach from it, right? But what it turns out is that is the bondage of myself, that I'm in my life. And all I can see is my point of view on my perspective. And freedom is when i the set-aside prayer. Help me set aside everything I think I know. It's not paradoxical. So if you know, you know. No, no, no. I think I know. Because there are many things. Look back in your life. There are many things I thought that I knew, and it turns out I was wrong. And so it's being open to the possibility that there's another perspective. My mother abandoned me. No, she did the best she could. She left you with some people that could take care of you there's right and there's free. And what this design for living has done for me, it's led me to freedom. It's led me to this place where no matter what my present circumstance, I can live in a new and wonderful world. I can choose joy. Do you know how powerful it is to understand through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous that joy is a choice? That freedom is a choice? It's a choice. I choose it. Okay. Okay. So how do I get here? Because it all sounds magical and mystical. And how do I get here? I get here through the steps. First step. My first step has three parts. I'm bodily different than my fellows. I drink and I get thirsty. Anybody put up your physical hand if you drink and you get thirsty. You have that first drink and but the third drink and then the fifth drink. Yeah. I really will fight in the street for a drink. I will. Right? That's how it was. Here's the part. The second part of my first step problem, right? The second part of my first step problem I is the, you know, Teresa F calls it the scariest part. It is the scariest part. I can't trust my own thinking. I have a voice in my head and it sounds like me and she's a liar. You know what she says? It's going to be different this time. It's not your fault. I got it. Yeah. If you'd like to know more about that, read the second part of the chapter more about alcoholism. The carpet slipper dude. I haven't had a drink in a long time. I can safely drink again. That's a lie. I'm like a man, I've lost my legs. I ain't gonna grow no new ones. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. What do people say? Once a pickle, never a cucumber again. Yeah, that's just the truth. Right? But in my mind, I think I'm making a decision. I think and I will argue you down. I'm making a decision to drink. Here's the question: if I make the same choice every time, do I really have a choice? If you go to a restaurant and there's a hundred items on the menu and you order the same thing every time, well, there's not a menu. There's just the thing you order, right? That's how my drinking was. It didn't matter. There was a menu. I ordered the same thing every time, a drink. Why? In my mind, I thought I was choosing it. I can't not accept the drink. It would be rude. Oh, they're coming over for dinner. Oh, I, yeah. The second part, The problem on the top of page 23 centers in my mind. But here's what it took me a while to figure out. It doesn't emanate from my mind. It emanates from my soul. My spiritual malady runs the deal. That feeling in the middle of the night when there's nobody there, just me in the dark. Nobody there. I'm cuddled up under the covers. And what am I doing? I'm worried about I'm not good enough. About what you're going to think of me. About if you really knew. I'm not tall enough, I'm not dark enough, I'm not light enough, I'm not thin enough, my hair is wh- right? All of it. And here's the dirty trick. I'm 61. Man, I'm it's the dirty trick. I look back and realize I've been fabulous the whole time. What? Fabulous. Oh, you don't believe me. Okay. Don't you wish she was the way she was the first time you thought she was overweight? How about that part? That was 30 pounds ago. Yeah, because you 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 can't even see the truth about yourself. You can't even see the truth. The spiritual malady blocks me from the truth. And so I get to the fourth dimension, which I believe is I presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what my present circumstance. I get to the fourth dimension. I'm rocketed to the fourth dimension is what the book says when I go through the steps. So first is I need to understand step one. You got it? I'm bodily different than my fellows. I drink, I get thirsty. I have a voice in my head. It sounds like me, you know, in the doctor's opinion, Bill says uh full flight from reality, outright, not so defective, maladjusted to life, whatever it is for you, right? That thinking in your head, nobody likes me. Everybody's looking at me. Ooh, they're going, they're not inviting me. All that, all that, all that, right? In my head. Oh, you can drink. Oh, it's not your fault. All that, all that, right? But this, the spirit, it's the, it's the spiritual unrest that, that drives all of it. So, I've come to understand that really, when you strip it all away, which is why the book says, page 19, let's go to page 19, people. Page 19. Page 19. And this is horrible for the new people, but come on, let me just tell you. Page 19. First full paragraph. Second sentence. We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. What? That feels impossible. It feels impossible that I'm gonna stop drinking. That's a beginning. Well, wait, if impossible is the beginning, what is coming? You know, it turns out it's not that hard. That once we surrender, that it's removed from this. And so what happens is that I see that I have a problem and I see that I'm whooped and I see that it's hopeless and the way that I'm living is futile. No way out. I've seen the four horsemen, right? I, I, I'm done. And so then I come in and I say, well, maybe, maybe there's a power greater than me. That that can restore me to sanity. Maybe there's a power greater than me that can restore me to sanity. It's not a believing in a power. I believed in scotch when I got here. It's a power that's greater than me that can restore me to sanity. Because restoration to sanity is really the thing for me. I need to get out of this trap, this bondage of self, this mind, this spiritual malady that's running my life. And what do I need? I need a spiritual solution. And so two, obviously, is a power that's greater than me that can restore me, right? I start right away seeking a spiritual solution because I learned in one, I got a spiritual problem. If I'm lucky, I learned that. You learned it today. Don't say nobody didn't tell you. It's a spiritual problem. That's what we've got, a spiritual problem. The body and the mind are symptoms of the problem that's in the spirit. And then in three, I do the thing I told you. I, I, I go to God and I offer myself, whatever God you believe in. Odin, the Orishas, Buddha, Allah, whatever you believe in. It, it. My opinion, this is my opinion. We all get to have our own conception and nobody gets to tell you what conception you can have in Alcoholics Anonymous. One of the beauties and miracles of Alcoholics Anonymous. I believe there's one God and we just got a bunch of different names, but you know, whatever you believe, right? And I surrender to that power. And I open a prayer. There's no amen at the end of three. I open a prayer that I'm in until the seventh step. And what happens between three and seven? The beauty of the work. The beauty of the work. What do I do? I make a fearless and thorough moral inventory of myself. It is not the inventory of the other person. And the, the tendency when we do it, is to think about what the other person did. Well, you know what they did. Well, they said, well, what they thought. What That's not what this is. One of the most powerful tools, I believe, is inventory. Inventory. Here's the thing. Column one and column two in the resentment inventory is not a big deal. Everybody that knows you know your column one and two. Your friends, they already know column one and two because all you could do is call the people and complain about who did what to you. Everybody that knows you knows column one and two in your life. (laughs) Uh, 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 right call your friends they'll fill out column one and two three is where you start to look at yourself it's the first honest look I ever did at myself I look at the seven parts of myself right because how else do I get to this new and wonderful world I gotta clear away the things that are blocking me what's the number one thing that's blocking me me I'm blocking me can you believe that And I go into the resentment inventory thinking it was you, dirty, tricking AA, and I leave the resentment inventory realizing it was me. Thank God it's me because I can't do nothing about you. Thank God it's me. And so I do these three inventories. I do resentment. I do fear. I do sex misconduct. I refuse to call it conduct because I don't want anybody to think that I'm interested in hearing all the sex they've had. I'm I'm sure you think it's really exciting, but we, no, I'm not interested, right? Only the places that you've used your God-given sexual powers to harm another soul, right? And then I go to five and I share that with somebody. Why? Because when I'm writing it, no matter what I see, I promise I'm not seeing the whole picture because I can't be in the picture and in the frame and see the picture. Like I need someone else to help me see, ready, write this down. I need somebody to help me see the pattern of pain that I created in my own life. Thank you, Sydney from LA for that. I need to see the pattern of pain that I've created in my own life. You know, I've only been in one relationship in my life, my whole life. 61, one relationship. Now, I rotate people in and out, but it's just one relationship where I act the same with everybody. On my job, with my friends, and the business meeting, I'm the same all the time. And what I'm trying to see is really the truth about who that is. What am I doing? And, you know, the book says that, that I step on the toes of my fellows and then seemingly without provocation, I don't know what happened. I didn't even do anything right? They retaliate. I did something, but I can't see what I did because it's just all I do. It's that same thing over and over again. You ever hear people say, oh, I keep dating the same person. Oh, I keep attracting the same. No, it's not the same kind of person. It's I'm the same. That's what's the same. It's me. And I can't see that on my own. I need somebody to help me see that. That's another step towards living in the new and wonderful world. It's another step. And then in six, I sit quietly and I'm like, this is objectionable. This way that I've been treating other people, this, my judgment, my self-righteousness, my pity, my blaming, my victimhood, my rage, my oh, ta- my, whatever it is that I do. That I can see that it is the thing that causes pain and devastation in my life. It is the thing that brings me harm. My behavior my behavior, and all I do in six, because what I'm about to do in seven is hard, is get ready. I think a six is a get ready step. I'm getting ready because I have to see that it's objectionable. Like in one, I have to see that I'm really whooped or I'm not going to do the other work. In six, I have to see that I have been the source of the things that have generated the the pain and devastation of my life. Maybe not all of it, but oh, I got a big share. And then in seven, I, I humbly say. You know what? I ain't going to pick and choose. How about just take all of me? Just take all of me, good and bad. I don't even know the difference between good and bad. Here's an example. I got this from my friend Ralph. Sometimes our defects are useful. I have a defect, and my defect is that I need to be perfect because I think underneath I'm not good enough. Man, I'm a service warrior. I mean, I booked a new speaker every night for a two years straight. Not any speaker, a big book speaker. Oh, wait. And I did all the flyers. Uh-huh. I sure did. in a calendar. It gets crazy. Sometimes my defects are useful. So I'm not picking and choosing what God takes in seven. I'm just saying, take all of me. And remove anything that's in the way of me being useful. Ah, oh, here we are useful. What? Usefulness? To other people gets me to a new and wonderful world. Yeah. Usefulness gets me to a new and wonderful world. And then in seven, I close the prayer that I've opened. There's an amen at seven. So I open in three. The surrender that I only do because I realize in one, I'm whooped. And in two, I'm like, okay, maybe something else can help. And then, then I'm in this work. Of inventory confession, go to page 25, page 25, top of page 25, page 25, top of page 25, 25, top of page 25, 25. There is a solution. Now, I want to say that I've always kind of felt a way about the fact that it takes all these pages to get here. I need to know why we start on page 17 with the chapter called There's a Solution, and you don't get to the sentence There's a Solution to Why, because I need to be reminded of why. I need to be reminded of why. Seventeen says, "Yeah, there's this common problem, common solution, the cement that binds us together, then you turn the page, and what does it do? Bam! Right in the face, What have I done? Annihilated all things worthwhile in life. And it makes me look at myself, unsparing self-evaluation, And then you know, I go through the pages, there's a description of the alcoholics all that, and then I get to, there's a solution." And really, I think it should say, there's a solution, but you ain't going to want to do the work to get there. I think it should say that, but it doesn't. It says, there's a solution. Almost none of us like, what do you have to do? The self-searching, self-searching. What did I tell you? Self-searching, ceaseless, unsparing self-evaluation. The leveling of our pride. Yeah, my pride's level when I got to call you and make amends. Oh, my pride's level when I got to call my sponsor and be like, this is what I did today. In the confession of our shortcomings. Now, those things are not the solution. I want to be clear. The sentence says, which the process, what process? The process of getting to the new and wonderful world. The process of recovering. The process of becoming useful. The process. The process of the de- building a design for living, right? The process requires for its successful consummation. You know, there are two words that, that I love here. The, the book uses the word consummation and the book uses the word conception. Now, I think, that both of those words most commonly in at least American English, but I think in English, are used around baby-making, right? Or, or the consummation is like, you can get married, but if y'all don't consummate the marriage, you could like call it quits, right? You gotta, you gotta do to do. You gotta do the deed, right? Or you didn't, it didn't count. So if you're here and you didn't do this, then it didn't, you, you haven't, you have to consummate the process, folks. You gotta consummate the process, right? Like conception. Like I get to have a conception of a power. I get to have a conception of the power, right? But let me just tell you what happens when you conceive. There's the the egg and there's the sperm and the sperm enters the egg and then the egg is in the womb and then it grows. What does it grow into? A whole nother separate thing. And that's what the power is that I've conceived of. It is now its own thing that is both in and outside of me. Where it always was anyhow. The only thing that's different is my conception. My thinking didn't change that it was always there. I just am now beginning to see it. Okay, sorry, that was a tangent. There's a a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for successful conservation. But you don't want to do it, but we saw that it really worked that's why we come to meetings so that I can see other people. I got sober in Oakland, California, and there was this guy and man, he was in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I mean, like, I don't know years. I mean, maybe a decade in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And I was gone for a long time. And I came back, man, he got 10 years. Yeah. That's you never know. You, You can't give up, but we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the what hopelessness and futility of life as we've been living it. If uh, this is my experience, I'm gonna get put out of Alcoholics Anonymous with this one. I think that people who've been around for a really long time, decades, but have not been through the work are the hardest people to work with in Alcoholics Anonymous because they figured out that they don't have to do the work to stay sober. Now they'll tell you they're miserable. They'll tell you that. They'll tell you they're miserable right? But why? If you're going to be here anyhow, just, just, do the work. It's just, it's just do the work and like get joy. So I think that getting people when they're new, when they believe in the hopelessness and the futility of their life, when they're in the distraught pain, I, when I got here, my whole soul was on fire. I did anything. The old-timers told me that people who did hospital institution work never relapsed. Man, I went to all the women's treatment facilities. I took meetings in. I would take hostages, speakers, and take them. I did anything because I was hopeless. The way that I was living, the futility of it beat me to the ground. Let me keep going. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to do but do what? Pick up the simple kit. It's not a complicated kit. A simple kit of what spiritual tools? Lay it at our feet. See, I can't hand you the tools. I can lay them out before you and you have to bend down and pick them up. You have to do the work to incorporate them. I can show them to you. I can lay them out before you. And I can tell you how they've worked in my life. We have found, here's the money shot, y'all, much of heaven and we've been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. I got to Alcoholics Anonymous with a, a degree. I thought I was a smart girl. You know what they told me when I got here? Einstein will miss it, but Bozo never does. Yeah. I can be too smart for this, right? But here it's telling me that there's something that I can have that I didn't even dream of. And I believe that they are talking about living in the new and wonderful world. I believe that that is what the fourth dimension is. Okay, so um, I wanted to read one more thing. And um, then I think I'm going to stop. I- I'll challenge people to do this. You know, I I, I love Google. I love Google. And um, I will Google stuff. So in preparation for this, I Googled this thing, and I found this thing called the Great Fact, the Great Reality, the AA. Bookclub.org. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff out there. It's a lot of information. We're not the only ones having thought. Other people have thought. I love their thought. And it, what it has, it has all these pages that really refer to the the great reality, right? The great fact. And I think the great fact and the great reality really is talking about the elements of our spiritual experience, which really is talking about the fourth dimension, right? The book is is the book is is very repetitive. The book is very repetitive but I need repetition. I need you to explain the same thing to me over and over and over and over again in different ways. And so I want to go to We Agnostic on page 55. Page 55 and We Agnostics. And We Agnostics, my friends, is the end of the first step, the spiritual malady, and, and the second step. And it invites us to cross the bridge from believing into having faith. That's, that's how I understand it. That's how I'm, I'm trying to live it. That there are many things that I believe, but it doesn't mean that I'm relying on them. And in fact, the definition that I work with of agnosticism is that I believe that there's a God, but I'm not relying on that. Again, I got a clipboard, I got an Excel spreadsheet, I got a plan, I got a to-do list, Right. And if I make those things God, right, the God of reason, then there's no way that God can actually be the head of my life because I'm too busy playing that role. So we agnostic invites us into rethinking things. And one of the things I think it really challenges on is our thinking. It says you're looking at this prosaic metal girder and you think that it is one solid piece that is steady. It doesn't look like it's moving to you and it looks like it's solid. You can't get your hand through that, but it's not. It's thousands of electrons rolling around. And so the set aside prayer takes me back, right? Please help me set aside everything I think I know. I can't get to the new and wonderful world based on the God of reason. I can't get to the new and wonderful world with my thinking. You know what my best thinking did? Burnt my life to the ground. That's what it did. I was so smart.'ll we'll argue you down. Pull out a bibliography and start quoting the research, right? And so in the spiritual world, those things don't matter. and if I want to be free and I want to be happy and I want to live in that world no matter what my present circumstance, then I'm going to have to think differently. and that begins with faith. Not with belief. I believe it begins with faith. We knew, they knew they had known these strangers always. They had seen miracles and one was to come to them. What? I get to Alcoholics Anonymous and there are people who get up and say, I spent all this time in prison or I was jumping in out the back of the cars or I was sleeping under the bridge. And then they're a professor. And you're like, what? And then it tells you a miracle came to them and a miracle can come to you. That, my friends, is living in a new and wonderful world. The answers will come if your own house, oh, I skipped, sorry. Um, they'd seen miracles and one was to come to them. They had visioned the great reality their loving and all powerful creator. You don't have to believe what I believe, believe what you want to believe, but believe in something. The important thing is to know I'm not God. That's the important part for me. Then I'm going to go to, to, to 161, a vision for you. So, we not is two. I'm going to end by talking about 11, right? In 11, I spiritually book in my day. I wake up in the morning. Well, let me do it the way the book does it. When I retire at night, I review my day and I say, OK, God, I'm supposed to be walking day by day with the new man on the path of spiritual progress. How did I do? How did I do? Was I resentful? Was I dishonest? Was I helpful? Was I a liar? Was I afraid? What? How did I do? And And I look at assets and liabilities, not just liabilities. How did I do? And then I pray. I, that's a contemplation. I ask myself these questions. I answer the questions that the, I, I pray about it and I go to sleep. I put something into my consciousness. And when I wake up in the morning, I think about for me, do it your way. There are people I know they got five books, they're on their knees, they need pads. I don't, that's not, I'm sorry, I don't do that. That's not what I do. But it works for me. I wake up in the morning and I'm looking at two things. I'm looking at what I need to do, and I'm looking at how I'm gonna do it. Because I want to know that I'm going to do better today than I did yesterday. That's what the path of spiritual progress is, that I do a little bit better today than I did yesterday. How do I know how I did yesterday? Well, when I retired at night, I took an inventory of how I did. So then when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to do better today. I'm not going to punch nobody in the throat. I'm not going to speak mean to nobody. I'm not, whatever. Whatever, right? I, I'm going to do better today. And so I get to a vision for you, which is sort of summarizing, right? We get to the end of the first part of the book. The first part of the book is the basic text, the first 164 pages. And we say that, but it really is more than that, because it's all of the pages that precede the preface, the four forwards, the doctor's opinion, right? Um, which I think might be 32 pages on Um Somebody knows, my friend Frank knows. Um, and so before I get into the personal stories, there's this closing paragraph, right? This, this beautiful vision for what life can be page 161 ask him in your morning meditation what you can do for the each day for the man who's still sick usefulness how do i get to the new and wonderful world usefulness this contact with god and then it says the answers will come if your own house is in order so what i've attempted to say to you is that if indeed and in fact you clear away the things that block you from the spirit and you stand in the sunlight of the spirit, you always have access to the new and wonderful world. But it tells me here, but obviously you can't transmit something you haven't got. Obviously. See to it that your relationship with him is right. See to it. See to it. Make it a priority. Persist. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great things, remember when we read page 100, it said remarkable things, great things will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. I really appreciate um, being invited back. Um, I hope that my description or my experience that I've shared about living in a new and wonderful world was accessible.